Hello, and welcome to another virtual conference sponsored by AffairHealing.com. I'm your host, Tim Tenner. A year and a half ago, Tim found out that his wife Lori was involved in an affair, and that started their journey toward recovery, although the outcome of that process was not, was not certain for many months. Tim's a photographer, Lori's a musician, they're probably known by more people than the average person, so it, it's been especially interesting to watch them become very public with their story. Recently, I sat down with them to talk about their experience, and I invite you to listen to what they have to say. Following this interview, Tim will be joining us by phone to answer any questions that you may have. We started the conversation talking about where this experience had taken them. Tim begins the conversation. Lori just mentioned, as she's talking to people, in a sense, this, she's, she alludes to, this is what we've overcome. Um, that's always her perspective. My perspective is, it's, it's a daily process. Uh, is it a victory? Yeah, but it's a victory in progress. Yes. Um, I don't think I'll ever be over um, that process, and I'm okay with that. What do you mean by that? Every day is an opportunity, I guess, for us to grow, to be real, because it's we have 20 years of history of hiding from each other. We have 20 years of not really communicating in, in a real way with each other. So every day is an opportunity for us to be real with each other. Um, the conflicts don't, don't frighten me anymore um, because in my spirit I'm free. Um, I'm not I'm no longer uh, dependent on her. I choose to be with her, and I offer her the same choice, even though I know that I've given her freedom to 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 be who she is and do and do what she wants to do. But that has created a new comfort zone for us. That freedom. Yeah, that's certainly a different perspective of we're. We're giving each other freedom, and what we're learning to trust is the choice that each of us make is for each other and for this relationship. Rather than that perspective, I think a lot of people come to on that side of affairs is, well, marriage is the thing that I'm supposed to do or have to do. The obligation. So, so how do I figure out how to find some contentment in this thing I'm stuck in? <laughs> well, and that's true. And both of us, maybe, so maybe it's a personality thing, both of us actually fight against obligation. Um and like, don't tell me what I have to do. That's just it's that's the right. first trigger. That pretty much for... makes us not want to do it. <laughs> I'm going to do and the opposite. And so, literally, in my mind, I've released her of the obligation. So, at the end of the day, when we're having dinner together, it's every day is a blessing that she's there. Well, I know your story, but would you mind sharing it again? A couple of years into our marriage, uh, I went 
away on a on a military deployment to Saudi Arabia. Um, uh, maybe I should backtrack a little bit. I I honestly thought that I had, in my mind, I had married my best friend. I felt like we had a good marriage, not without hiccups, not without maybe high volume discussions now and then, but I really felt things were going pretty good. I worked hard to be a provider. Even being in the military, choosing a place to live where she could use her musical gifts um, and further that education. And so, fast forward a couple years, I went away on a military deployment, came back and everything was normal, I thought, but then as time went on, we were having a kind of an in-depth talk one time, and I had always seen her as a as a perfect individual, no struggles, just every everything just kind of went her way in life. And I, I asked her, don't you ever struggle with anything? And she got really quiet, and I got really scared. She then said that while I was away in Saudi Arabia, she had violated our marriage vows and had an affair. Ended it on her own. By the time I was home, it was over. Needless to say, my world was crushed. I wanted to seek counseling. She didn't want that. We chose to keep it a secret because of what she did and her performing, and we didn't want that to be harmed. And, you know, I offered forgiveness, and we just pressed on. No counseling and kept it all a secret. So... Want me to take it from there? Take it from there. <laughs> well, um, we, after that, probably a year after I disclosed that, we had our first son, and then we had another son, and then uh, we moved to Florida in the meanwhile. And um, there were no other incidents during that time. And then I think... Probably a combination of factors, but being a new mom and wanting to feel significant and whatever reasons, my heart felt like it had vacancy and probably had never healed from the first uh, affair that I had chosen to have. I was I was very vulnerable to being flattered, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the attention, and I enjoyed looking good and being noticed. I fell prey a few more times to anything from just an emotional communication kind of affair to more inappropriate boundaries crossed. And then we went through a similar aftermath of brokenness and then he would clamp down and become more suspicious and controlling and and I didn't really take responsibility either. I wanted him each time. I felt like he should just get over it. And I, I didn't really accept it as my problem. And then about um, 17 or 18 months ago, Tim discovered that I had been having an affair again. I really thought that my life was over as I knew it. And even during the course of that relationship... I knew that it was that I was pretty much laying everything on the line, being a public figure of sorts and performing artist, and I had my family and mom to two boys, and I knew that I was laying it on the line, and yet I chose to do that. 
So when Tim discovered it, I just, I felt like my life was over. And he was really done with me. He asked me to leave, which I didn't do right away. Um, we later separated for about a week. And then I felt like he asked me to come back only for convenience because of taking care of our two teenage boys in high school. But we had nothing. We had no relationship and we didn't have any connection and it was gone. Was that hard for you to break off the affair? It wasn't at that point. It was difficult earlier because um, I had already realized that it was a time bomb and I didn't, I didn't want it, but I was still feeling entangled because if he did reach out to me, talking about the affair partner, if he reached out to me, I was still emotionally tied, and so I would respond and respond in similar ways that I had before, and then it just, you know, I felt like then I, I was not free from it. So when Tim discovered it, it actually felt like I was free from it finally, and I I didn't, I obviously wasn't going to be responding at all, if even if he tried, which he didn't. Um, to contact me and I think that because there were ramifications on his end too um, it was just a, it was a welcome break That's to kind me of, kind of relief in a way it was a relief because I didn't have to feel entangled anymore and I, I didn't feel strong enough before to do that on my own so Tim how did the discovery of this affair affect you? It was different because after the previous time, which was about seven years ago, I didn't say this to her, but I made up my mind that if this ever happened again, I was done. And so I had that in the back of my mind. Lori's right. I had become very, I lived in a constant state of suspicion, constant state of controlling, which, you know, we know that's not healthy. Because there was never any real healing. The difference this time when I found out was I, I moved from hurt to anger and action in about 10 minutes. Up until this time, everything had all been secret. We'd never told our closest friends. We had shared a little with our parents, but certainly not the entire story. Because of the public nature that this could have taken, Lori being a public figure... I could have plastered it all over the news. And it would have aired. Because did you think about doing that? Yes, I did. The only thing that kept me from doing that was my voice. But yes, I absolutely considered it. So I jumped to, to action right away. I told Lori to pack her bags and get out of my house. And after that, I went immediately to our pastors. And... I told them because I was not going to hide anymore. I was done playing the game of that everything is fine, that we're okay, and that people can't believe we're still so happy after being married for 22 years and having having one friend individual say, when I get married, I want to be like you guys. Because that just every time I heard that, I just wanted to throw up. Okay. Because I, wanted to, I just wanted to say, no, you don't want to be like us. Lori, in the meantime, you're experiencing a reaction that's different than previous relationships mm -hmm. this time around. What was different this time? Well, 
the night that of the day that Tim had discovered everything, we had to sit down and tell our boys. And when I saw their response, honestly, it was like I could see their broken hearts, but I also saw Tim's broken heart over and over and over. And I realized that I had done that. I saw what I had done for what it really was, and I, I didn't want that, and I didn't want our family to be broken, and I didn't want our boys to have a broken home to finish growing up in and then even after they're married and have families of their own I didn't want them to have to choose Christmas and holidays and just all of the things that that result from families having to be broken and I, I saw that laid out and I just decided right then that I need to change I I will accept whatever process we have to go through counseling but I knew that personally in my own heart and my own intentions and motivation and reasons I do things, I needed to, to realign some things and stop following my heart, so to speak, because that's, that's a bunch of lies. Leading my heart and telling my heart where to go is what I needed to do. And I chose to love no matter what, and I chose to stay no matter what. And even when Tim would tell me over and over to leave, I didn't. Um, I respected his request for me to move out for a little while, but once I came back, I wasn't going anywhere. And he was angry. That angered him more. But um, I know that now that it was the right choice because I was steadfast, and I, I chose to do the work to change. It's an interesting turn of the phrase that I don't think I've heard before, or it's never struck me before. I need to lead my heart and tell it where to go <laughs> instead of being led by my heart. Yeah. Where does that come from? I actually read a book. That was something in the introduction to the book that just jumped out at me. Because it, it threw a spotlight on what I'd always done. Is you know, the, the world tells you to follow your heart and to do what, you know, do what moves you. And so if you follow your heart, it's going to lead you to a bad place. If the heart isn't being led by something greater and something that is... Um, taking you to a place that you're making right decisions that benefit the people around you. We've chosen to marry somebody with a certain set of flaws that we've, you know, we have to evaluate, am I going to accept these flaws? Because really the strengths are easy to accept most of the time. It's the flaws that get us. And um, What flaws? Even though, Tim, <laughs> even though Tim doesn't have any. I mean, in most cases, <laughs> there's something I, you I have to overcome. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in the anger that he held on to for so long, I saw the boys lose respect for him. And even in some cases, start to side with me. And I didn't want that. I wanted us to be... A family unit, but I was very, very intentional about spending time and investing in them. And I know that paid off because even though they were initially very broken and very angry with me over what I had done, and they knew about the multiple times as well, um, when we uncovered that, we uncovered everything. And um, they, the relationship that I have with them now is better than it was ever before. And it's made, it's made them feel that I'm a safe place to confide in. And I think now Tim is having that experience too. But um, until the point of where he extended grace to me, they 
did not see him as a hero again. They lost respect for him until they saw him extend grace. Mm-hmm. So, Tim, talk about the place you got stuck in for a while. Would you t- describe it that way? Stuck? Yeah. No, I was trapped. Okay. That's different. Mm. I had an obligation to my boys. I felt like I needed to stay there. I had plenty of support from anybody. If I wanted to leave or wanted her to leave, I was fully justified. I, I guess stuck is okay, you know, but I really, the feeling that I had was just trapped, like I couldn't get away. I couldn't be who I was. I couldn't let her be who she was. And the trust was gone. It had been gone for a long time, but now I wasn't even trying to get it back. So it was a constant state of of anger, resentment, because all my life I'd, I'd been told to and for the most part chosen to do the right thing and I felt trapped by that and coming here to counseling was a good thing that was a big step that was a different step I guess I saw enough changes in Lori enough for example she said I, I want to go to counseling she'd never done that before so there was just enough hope not that we could have a great marriage but that I could last long enough until the boys were out of the house and then just be done. Counseling with you was fantastic, but eventually I reached a point where I didn't... I realized I didn't have any hope in a restored marriage. But I knew I still need growth and, needed growth and healing, so I continued to come on my own for a little while. And then admittedly, after, after a while, I really felt like I was kind of spinning my wheels. You didn't need any more information. <laughs> well, you're right. I, I didn't. Um, and so I I stopped coming to counseling as well. But I didn't stop coming. No, she kept going for a while. I, I kept coming because it was benefiting me. From Tim's perspective, he was glad that I was figuring out what was wrong with me so that I could fix me. And... I felt the change, but I felt like also I didn't really need any more information. It was just a comfortable place to come and say, this is what's happening. And for you to be able to tell me this is normal and you don't have to stay in that place of sacrifice forever. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm just glad I hung in there, with even with Tim and his anger and how mean he was to me during that time. Because it's it's hard to paint the picture and to really go back and feel those feelings, but I remember um, even going through our receipts and our taxes and everything and just, you know, thinking about the different places and the dates we went on, how painful it all was. Like, I'm reliving last year going through (laughs) the receipts in the box for our taxes and just thanking God that it's not like that now because we're, when we are together, it's a completely different experience now. It's, it's like a night and day. Because we really enjoy being together and we have a connection and we, you know, I don't feel like it's an obligation to text him back if he texts me. I don't feel like he's checking up on me or, you know, that he's trying to track me or control me. And I really do feel like I can be free to be me. Besides counseling, what else was helpful for you? Friends and being able to find things to have joy in. Um, Spending time with the boys was huge. 
the steps that I was taking intentionally, I didn't just let things happen to me. I was steadfast and I was evaluating my intentions and making sure they were pure and I was controlling my responses and I was, I mean, I was working hard, but it created really good habits. And the book that I was reading that I was telling you about, it's called The Love Dare, but I I read that not so that I could manipulate Tim into, I'm going to do this for him and hopefully get a certain response. That wasn't the reason I did it. And I did very few of the actual, like, action dare things. What I did was I read the book from a perspective, I need to learn how to love my husband and love my boys and love with action everybody. And I feel like that is where the biggest change took hold. But grasping and embracing the chance to learn and educate myself in this was largely due to talking with you and feeling like, okay, I'll take every tool that will help me do that. So Tim, how did what was the process in your change from anger to grace? On September 23rd last year, um, I, I remember where I was sitting in my office and I began to think about everything that had transpired, all the history. And it was almost like I had an out-of-body experience in a way where I, I, I really tried to look at it more objectively. Um, and I, I made some... I made three or four realizations that day. Um, first and foremost, I realized that no matter what Lori did, no matter how many love dares she decided to do, no matter how intentional she became, she could not undo the damage that she had done. The odd thing about realizing that, Tim, was the fact that knowing that, I could stop trying to control it. If she can't do the the right things, there's nothing she can do to make up for the those kind of decisions. I don't have to try to manipulate or control. And you know, as long as we're together, she's going to be acting this way or showing this much love. And here's how she should she should show it. Blah blah blah. And I found great freedom in just letting it go. And I did. I I don't have to control it. But then you're left with the choice of what you're going to do. I am. But here's and that I guess goes into the next realization <laughs> in the fact that there had been friends in our in our lives that we knew had experienced something similar years ago. He was one of the first men that I talked to. He and his wife came into our lives and and showed us what it meant to be a, a friend without judgment. In addition to that, at the beginning of September, another couple came into, really mostly my life, that we'd known for about 12 years. They admitted to me that their marriage was in trouble, and they didn't know what to do. I literally told them a little bit of my story, and I said, honestly, I don't think I have anything to offer you. <laughs> but what I did have to offer them was friendship, like our friends had shown us. And so I just loved on them. I let them talk. I let them vent when they needed to vent. And I asked a lot of questions. And I chose not to judge them. I just let them be who they are. It dawned on me that day that I don't think I had ever been that kind of friend to Lori. I had been a friend. 
but not really a, a friend that just accepted her as she was, failures and all. I stopped trying to manipulate or change her into something ideal or you know whatever. I just I released that as well, and I thought even after the junk, maybe I can be that kind of friend to her. So. In my mind, I'm thinking, I'm not even going to think about a marriage. I just want to think about a friendship. Mm -hmm. What if I just stopped trying to be a good husband and started trying to be a good friend? That was another piece of a burden that came off that day. The third major thing that I realized was the fact that in releasing Lori, I was going to be okay no matter what she chose to do. Her decisions, they could hurt me, but those decisions don't change who I am or who I can be. I found that personally really empowering. I don't want to sound negative when I say this, but it was almost the realization that I don't need her. I can be all I need to be, all I can be, whether she's in my life or not. And because I already realized that I can be a friend, that didn't drive me away from her, it actually drove me towards her. And so I went home late afternoon and through the course of the conversation, which turned into a really long conversation, probably the best one we'd had in years, bottom line is, I said, you're free. You're free to be who you want to be. You're free to do what you want to do. I'm choosing to be your friend. And if all we have in this is a great friendship, I'm okay with that. And it was the most freeing conversation that grace brought peace, and we, we began to go down a road of, of connection like we haven't had in a long time, where we actually enjoy being together. Yeah, so your three points, and I'll, I'll say them in a little bit different order, but they're really important ones, I think. Coming to the place where you stop trying to control Lori, and in that, realizing that, well, if she, whether she chooses me or not me, this marriage or not marriage, whether we survive or not, I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And then that other part of you that talked about pursuing a friendship, there was something in you that just moved to love her in a different way than you'd been loving her. Mm-hmm. Certainly something you guys hadn't been experiencing for a while. I agree. Definitely not. <laughs> the kind of love that we're talking about, the kind of friendship we're talking about, isn't a friendship which tries to manipulate, control, or judge It's a friendship that says, I'm proud to know you, and go, do, be all you can be. There's no magic answer in all this stuff. There's no one thing that you or I, despite our stories, can give someone and say, oh, you're dealing with infidelity, fair going on, here it is, here's your solution. It's complicated, it's messy, and... We spend a lifetime moving towards the, you know, healthy us and healthy relationships. But obviously you both individually and together have learned a lot through this process and you will continue to benefit from that. And as you've shared your story more publicly, I know there are people that are coming to you mm-hmm. saying, what can, what can you help us understand? What advice can you give us? What have you found has been the most important thing that you want to share with others that are maybe dealing with the same thing in their marriages? Maybe you haven't well, figured first, that out yet. The first thing that, that comes to mind when you say that is surrounding yourself with people who you can confide in and talk to even when you 
can't really do that with your spouse yet, and they come in and support you. People don't have a, a network of friends or people that they can vent to. I don't know how they survive because I think isolation is the worst thing that a, a person could do. I didn't tell everyone. We kept the circle pretty small. I began to build really good friendships with the girls that I had known but hadn't necessarily really known me and maybe we just had fun together wasn't really like beyond the surface but it got much deeper and I feel like because of that it enabled them to share with me and we could share each other's struggles because you know in this life we we try to do things on our own too much and it also was good to have people that I could laugh with because honestly if I had any fun Tim would judge me for the longest time. Like I couldn't I couldn't really be free to have fun because he felt like I should be in a somber, groveling place all the time. So that was such a relief for me. I would say that the one thing that I that was most impactful for me and what I've shared with everybody that has been in my shoes is the fact that we don't have to fight anymore. We are going to be okay no matter what happens. For me, when I removed the fear of what might happen from the equation, that's when I became free. The number one thing I probably say too much is you're going to be okay no matter what happens. No matter what your unfaithful spouse chooses to do, you're going to be all right. I think most betrayed spouses or partners can get stuck because they don't have that guarantee of what's going to happen ahead. How can I be sure I'm not going to be hurt again? I already know what that feels like. Right. I never want to feel this again. Right. And, that's and you the don't fear. have that's yeah. the fear. Right. And honestly, that might happen with Lori. What you're not saying is that, you know, she has freedom. Doesn't matter what she does. We're going to be good. I'm going to be good. You're not saying, oh, sure, if you have another affair, that's okay. We've learned how to do this. We're good. I, I don't know that you'd be in this marriage if she had another affair again. Well, understood. Um, you're right. I'm not saying that. I didn't trade one mask for another. Right, right. <laughs> I just, some people listening to this one go, really? You give her freedom? I don't get that. That right. would frighten me so much to give someone that level of freedom. But I think it's an important point. What I hear you saying is, I've given her freedom because... If she chooses to betray me again, I know that will hurt tremendously. It will hurt. But I'm learning that I'm going to be okay. Yes. I'm going to be okay. My world does not have to be devastated just because I might go through another very painful circumstance again. I'll be honest with you, Tim. You know, I'm the, of the two of us, I'm the introvert. <laughs> She's the beautiful extrovert with all kinds of talent. I grew to an unhealthy, I grew in an unhealthy way of finding all of my identity in what she did. I was her number one fan. I was her number one promoter. I could hardly have a conversation with anybody without talking about her. I was proud of her. But I'll be honest with you, it was unhealthy. It was unhealthy for me as a person. And what I realized on that day was the fact that she's not my identity. Jerry Maguire. Yeah. Great movie. Fun movie. Sometimes funny. But... You know, he walks in near the end of the movie and goes, you complete me. And I just want to go, you're an idiot. 
<laughs> because what I realized was she doesn't. Lori doesn't complete me. I don't complete her. We are a whole, complete being, separate from each other. Now the two of us together are greater than the sum of our of the parts. But that doesn't discount the fact that we're complete by ourselves. I think that's been tremendously significant in your own growth and change. And I don't know if you remember at the beginning of the counseling process talking about that root of insecurity being a real tripping point for you. And if I remember it correctly, at the beginning, I think you reacted against that a little bit. I probably didn't want to admit it, <laughs> but that you know that's a fact. Mm-hmm. Just realizing that I have the ability to make my own friends. I have the ability to develop my own talents. I don't have to be, in an unhealthy way, dependent on her strengths to make me who I am. And in his elevating of who I was and finding his identity in me, I didn't see, I didn't feel like that was loving me. I felt like he may tell everyone else how amazing I am but he really didn't tell that to me and didn't make me feel like he felt that way you know on a relational basis but I feel like now with a healthier view of who he is he can look at what I do and who I am in a fresh way he is actually more complimentary of me and gives me more words of affirmation now than he ever did before I do. Yeah, you do. See, I'm not even trying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the beauty of this. It starts happening naturally. Right, and with him, I realized that I, you know, I did not do a very good job of noticing him. You know, that's one of the areas that I became more intentional about is there's that idea that there's five love languages and, you know, we all have, like, primary ones, but I just try to do all of them because I think they're all important I've just been more intentional about loving him in that way. Well, listeners, you just listened to Tim and Lori talking about their recovery, or as Tim once called it, their marriage recreation. Lori couldn't be with us tonight because uh, she's performing, but Tim is joining us by phone. Tim, are you with us? Yes, I am, Tim. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. Tim, I, I see that you kind of listened in and heard back on the at least some of the things that we talked about in that interview. Uh, is there anything else that came to mind or you'd add to things that were already said? No. I actually texted Lori. She's on her way back from, from the opera. I texted her. I said, it's a little bit challenging to hear this again because um, it, it brings it back. You know, we re- relive it a little bit every time we tell it. Um, but at the same time, the catharsis uh, is good, and it takes my thoughts to new places on how I can be a better friend to her. Literally, you know, she said there at the end of the recording that um, I was being a better friend to her. I was more complimentary, and I, I really hadn't realized that I was doing that. It was more natural. At the same time, the, the switch went off in my mind that I can't let it just be natural. I have to make it intentional. Hearing my own story again, I actually was able to do a little growing. 
<laughs> well, when I listen to your story, I do more growing too. I, I do that a lot when I listen to all the clients. The wonderful thing is we get to spend a lifetime continuing to figure this stuff out and hopefully growing and getting better. Many couples that go through this, well, most couples that go through this will keep their story private. They will tell it to a few friends and family who may already have an inkling of things, but other than that, they won't really tell too many people. And, and maybe that may be an appropriate choice. You guys chose to do something very different. Why? Tim, this allowed us to be real. And we found that the friends who decided to stick with us and love on us were even better friends than they were before. I knew that there were other people out there who were mm -hmm. absolutely entangled in this kind of mess. And yet, as many people as there are that are out there, they, every single one of them feels alone. Yeah. Every single one of them feels isolated. Of course, they hear peripherally that maybe this or that happened in somebody else's lives, but you can never talk about it. You know, you can never... You know that from first-hand experience. <laughs> I do. And yeah. the fact is, we wanted to open the door. I want to talk more about, a little bit more about that. We do have someone with a comment or a question. I'm just wondering if you experience triggers at all. And if you have, how did you handle them? Or do you still experience them? Uh, yes, absolutely. There are triggers everywhere. And I still experience triggers. The difference is because there was a, a point in time, for me it was September 23rd last year, that I chose grace. I chose freedom. I, I can go back to that time and put everything, every trigger into the light of that decision for grace, that decision for, for friendship. I'll have to speak for Lori at this point. Because we have openness now, I can I openly tell her that something, this or that, is a trigger. I might be having a bad day, or I might actually be having a bad week. But because of the openness that we decided to have, we can talk about those, and then she can make adjustments as well. And I guess I, would, I, I can understand that not every unfaithful spouse is willing to make those kind of adjustments, but when we talk about triggers now, we both act differently. Uh, we, we act more uh, for the benefit of each other, not just in a selfish way. I hope that made some sense. Yes, well, I mean, it, 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 it did make sense. Two, two things you said, Tim, and the second one, man, that makes such a difference. When you have the unfaithful spouse willingly participating in bringing relief and comfort when a trigger comes up, I, that's just invaluable. I don't know how someone gets past it if they're just left to do it on their own. And the person that hurt them isn't willing to come in and, and bring some relief to that. But you also said, you know, you talk about grace. We talk about it so easily that it's almost like a pill. You know, someone get a prescription for mm -hmm. grace. And I think, right. I think people that are struggling with that, there's so much pain. And when triggers come up, they almost feel overwhelming. It either takes them to despair or anger. What does it practically does that mean that, but not since grace happens, since I'm in that place of grace? What does that mean? I'll, I, all I can do is refer, Tim, to, the, to that very first letter that I wrote to you on the anniversary mm -hmm. of the discovery. At that time, I wasn't really referring to it as grace. I was referring to this whole change as choosing freedom. The opposite of freedom is, is control. 
It's holding these choices in front of her, just dangling them in front of her face and saying, look what you did to me. You have no right. And then just, you know, going down the same, going through the same crazy cycle all over again. We're not doing that anymore. Yeah, for you, it definitely was a choice. It was a turning point where you made a choice. That stuff I've been holding on to from this point on, I'm going to do things differently. I said the old marriage is dead. Mm-hmm. My biggest problem through all these years was trying to recreate, or I'm not recreate, but trying to save and have what could no longer be. Because once there's been an affair, the marriage forever changes, and we can't go back. That's the reality. Well, for some people, that's just devastating. Some people, it is. Uh, they're, all their well, hope it was is, to me. is in, in what they had before and what they expected to have for the rest of their life. And when that's been blown out of the water, they don't know where else to turn, don't know what else to hope in. What changes or what changed in me is the fact that I was going to be okay. Even if the marriage didn't survive, the old marriage was gone. Whatever we were going to create now was, has to be something new. It has to be something different. And so we're choosing to be different with the understanding that no matter what happens, both of us are, are going to be okay. We're okay as individuals, and we're okay together as a couple. Yeah, I, you're saying what I say to most of the clients, couples that come in for the first time. My job is not to heal your marriage, to save your marriage. Uh, What I want to do is come alongside each one of you and help you understand where your broken parts are and what it means for you to move forward in a healthy way. And two people that have ever experienced intimacy and trust in the the past, if they both start figuring that out, probably the natural result is going to be that they find their way back to intimacy and a new kind of relationship. And I think that's what's happening with you guys. We've got another question. Go ahead. What is your question? Uh, I'd like to ask if someone is... um saying they're remorseful, but they don't show remorse, how can one ask that person to show remorse in a more meaningful way? Well, let me first ask, Tim, how did, how did you know that, you know, Lori was remorseful or sorry? Was there anything different this time around? I mean, you mentioned that she was willing to go to counseling. What, what other evidence did you see that she was certainly sorry for what had happened? I, I, I'll be honest with you. I looked for remorse in her based on what I felt remorse should look like. And did she meet up to that standard? Absolutely not. Because she's, a, she's an outgoing personality. For me, handling remorse, I would, I would probably mope around. I'd probably be, you know, even as a man, there, there'd be a lot more tears and withdrawing. Well, she's just not like that. And I realized I had to let go of that expectation, too remorse for her looked like action steps steps of first and foremost Tim, you just mentioned it going to counseling mm-hmm. something she had never done before uh secondly being willing to come out into the open with this to especially our closest friends because Lori, as a performer was very very concerned about her image I saw her being willing to let that image go and, and take, take the risk that what we share now could literally undo whatever she had done as a, or accomplished as a performer. I saw the remorse as, as her being willing to take, take action to be real. 
that'd be one point I'd want to make to the caller that sometimes the perspective of the unfaithful spouse, or I'm sorry, the betrayed spouse is one in which they do have a certain perspective of remorse, repentance, that may not be exactly what the unfaithful spouse experiences even when they are committed to change, even when they really are sorry for what's happened. And Lori is one example of that. You know, I did see the evidence that she was steadfast and single-minded in her intent to make this right, and she was sorrowful what she had done. I, I saw tears. You saw tears, too. But, but you're right. Mm. She's a bubbly personality. She's more outgoing. And so it was expressed in different ways. So we have to make allowance for that. But Tim, to your point, she gave evidence of it because she was making the steps necessary for change to happen, and that showed you that she was sincere. I, I would also want yeah. to say, to answer that question to the caller, that sometimes you're not sure whether they're, you know, what if it's not backed up by a lot of action? And someone's saying, I'm sorry, but you don't see any emotion behind it, no display of, of really much regret or sorrow. And I think that's difficult when that happens. I encourage betrayed spouses to do just what you know what you eventually be, were able to do Tim is to observe the actions of the unfaithful spouse look to that more than what the, the emotions that they are displaying look at the consistent choices there are make they are making it will be helpful to you if they ever get to that place of deep sorrow and obvious remorse for what they did that will help you heal but you may not have it ever to the depth that you would like to have it or it may take time for them to get there. Honestly, it took me two or three years before I broke completely. I was always sorry sorry for my affair, but it took two or three years before I think it finally crashed over me how much pain and how much consequence my affair uh, had cost others. So it may take a while. Lori did reach a point where that, in a sense, that happened. Um, I just wasn't there to see it. Um, no. She told me of a day where she spent, and Tim, you probably know about it even in more detail than I do, but where she came undone and spent most of the day in tears. And I'll say this. In the past, to me, her attitude to me was always, I wish you would please get over this, as though the problem were mine. Mm -hmm. Lori doesn't do that anymore. You know, of course, uh, there was another caller that, that mentioned triggers. Even if I'm facing a trigger and it's really messing me um, emotionally and I'm having a, a, a big challenge with it, Lori no longer has the, uh, the get over it mentality. She continues to say, I'm sorry I did this. Um, which well, that's, never, a, that's a pretty sure sign that, that, that changes. Yeah, ex and it, exactly. Um, and in the past, it was always, literally one time she told me, why don't you go and get some counseling because you need to recover from this stuff. The problem was always mine uh, in mm -hmm. the past. This time around, the change has been, she continues to tell me that it's not my problem, that she's sorry that she caused this. Well, you guys have a wonderful story. It's going to be exciting to see how you will continue to grow together and how that is going to be encouragement to other couples and other individuals down the road. I want to thank everybody that joined us tonight and um, look forward to the following weeks as we bring more discussion about more issues to help 
in your affair recovery. Have a good night.